0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Go. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Welcome to a series we're in called 2020. You spend most of your life looking back and trying to figure that out and get 2020. Hindsight is 2020. Not in my life. Not in my life in my life either, Pastor, yeah. What God wants to do is give you 2020 vision for 2020. 2020 vision for 2020. We'll be talking, talking about uh, Jericho, preaching about Jericho. If Jericho goes down, I'm going to get into the Old Testament. My dad was kind of old, an Old Testament dad. going to get into the Old Testament today. And if Jericho goes down, the rest of the promised land goes down too. We start here in the New Testament. James, the brother of, of the Lord Jesus, who wasn't a believer during Jesus' lifetime, but and Jesus died and was resurrected, and, and uh, Scripture is pretty clear that then, then his brothers followed him after that. Um, James, who had reason to write this, you know that nothing is written came free. It comes free to you, but it didn't come free to the authors who wrote it, by the Spirit of God. And he's writing this in a painful place, but in a place of promise. And I feel that for somebody today, you're in a painful place, but it's a place of promise. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, husbands, just raise your hand. It's one of those husbands, just raise your hand. Don't embarrass me. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Meaning, if the home you grew up in was unhealthy and they made you feel bad for feeding you or loving you, this this is a different God. This a different Father in heaven. He's like, you need it, I've got it, I'll give it. Ask for wisdom. Okay, watch this. Now, now, wisdom is not the wisdom that you think that it is. Wisdom is different. Wisdom is the application that gets you the result. It's not the idea that somebody wrote... Or did a YouTube video about. It's the application of something that gets you a result that you need. If any of you lacks that, husbands, now the wives maybe, okay. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Oh, did I just describe somebody's weak? where your circumstance is like the waves of the sea driving you and tossing you about. You're a little boat and you know you just about made it to Sunday. For let not that man, let not that woman, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Whoa. But we all doubt God and James is like, I know and I'm gonna tell you how to deal with doubt. With, with doubt. Are you ready? He says, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. You gotta speak to God in his language. He has a currency doubt is not part of what he is so so what we have to do but what we try to do is we try to work on doubt but that's not how you get rid of doubt are you ready it says he is or she is listen he is a double-minded man get that phrase in into your spirit into your head and into your heart he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways double-mindedness meaning not of a single mind. If, if you are not single-minded, you're going to struggle with doubt. You don't get rid of doubt by getting rid of doubt. It's all connected, Venue Church. You don't get rid of doubt by getting rid of doubt. You get rid of doubt by getting rid of double-mindedness because that's where doubt comes from. You don't get rid of Jericho by tearing down the walls of Jericho. You get rid of... Give me a minute. Today's sermon is called Good Thing or a God Thing, meaning a good thing is not the same thing as a God thing. Why don't you repeat that after to touch touching neighbor and be like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. Ready? A good thing, a good thing is not the same thing as a God thing. Ready? One more time. A good thing is not the same thing as a God thing. Oh. I love uh, love James, he really understands the human condition. And he's talking there about uncertainty, he's talking about being tossed about by the waves, he's talking about pressure, and he's talking about doubt, and he's talking about instability. You don't know how unstable something is until you put it in the microwave for too long. (laughs) If you're on the venue prayer team, you got an email this week from Pastor Beth, my mom, where she well, she actually said that I heated up an exercise ball in the microwave and it blew up in, in my face. It wasn't an exercise ball. Because I instantly got texts from people who were like, How did you get one of those in a microwave? What size of a microwave are you working with? I'm like a big microwave, man. I wanna I don't want like a part of a turkey, I want three turkeys. No. What I did was, I, I took uh, it, was, it's a little plas- hard plastic ball with points on it, and I was working my shoulder out. I've been like lifting weights. Can you tell? Give us some time. Come on. I'm getting a little healthier. It's okay. My shoulder's been bugging me. It's an old injury when I was in the. on the Patriots, (laughs) training with Brady, and just threw something bad, my shoulder got, no, it was not that amazing, but my shoulder, I've been working my shoulder out, anyways, and so I, uh, Erin read through the instructions, because I don't have time, time and I'm too smart, and so she's like, you just got to microwave it for like 30 seconds, and I'm like, 30 seconds for most people, maybe, but I need it. I'm going to do it for two minutes because I want my shoulder. This is how math in my head works. I want it to take a quarter of the time <laughs> to get the result. Four times, right? Nah. Nah. So I put it in there for two minutes and I took it out. And this is before I had devotions on Wednesday morning. And I took it out of the microwave. And when it was optimum distance from my face, which is between four and six inches, it blew up. Because it had a, a flaw. In, in the making of it. Now, granted, it wasn't designed to stand two minutes in the microwave. <laughs> I did look through the instructions, and there was a, it was like red and in a lot of exclamation points, so. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> and it, like, it was like a pressure cooker blowing up right here in my face, and it went up into my face, and uh, my forehead down, my nose, my eyes... You know how it is, you're not expecting something to blow up, so you're not like shielding your eyes from it. Eyes, and then eyelids, burned, and um, in my nose. <laughs> Everything's peeling today, so I had a couple of people last night, they, they were asking me like, you got some crumbs in your beard. <laughs> we we brought some donuts in because we were uh, tuning the sound mix, and sounded great this morning, I thought. And um, but we had some donuts here, but see, I'm fasting. Anybody fasting and praying for 21 days with me? I'm fasting donuts, and uh, maybe they thought that I was just trying to remember what donuts tasted like, so I <laughs> put them in my beard, just to be close to something that I love that I can't have right now. Pressure in your life, pressure just reveals problems that were there all along. And um, And God can use his hand to teach you something, but sometimes God uses your hand to push too many buttons. Oh, this is a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit to somebody. Push too many buttons in your spouse until something blows up. (laughs) And, um, And I don't know, I was praying about this after to try to find a spiritual reason for why this blew up in my face, and I realized, you know, this face... It's a beautiful face. And I thought maybe... Maybe God was removing temptation from Pastor Aaron. Maybe my face is too tempting for her. You know, she should close her eyes and think about Jesus' face. Not my face all and sudden, Maybe that's what it... Maybe there's like a thing that God can use your hand to do something stupid this week and God can still use it to remove temptation from somebody. And... Um, My face is more functional, I think. Anybody got a functional face? Yeah. That's what what I got going on. Except for I lost about three functions, you know, the tasting and the smelling and seeing and stuff. I lost that for about five hours. It's surprisingly, When you burn your face off, it's surprising how, how painful it is. But here's the thing. See, I thought I had a lot of options. And if I was the enemy of your soul, the devil, now you might come here, you might be on your journey towards God, but I think you can sense that something is out there trying to hurt you as well, and trying to guide your hand to hurt you, and trying to guide the hands of people to hurt you, and your hand to hurt people. And if I was the enemy of your soul in today's society, I think what I would do is I would load you up with a lot of really good options. You're not stupid, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with good options. We just bought a vehicle, and it's good to know your options and to data mine, and to get what you need to understand what your options are so you don't get surprises, but what we do is we mistake collecting data or Googling things. There was a day that research meant, like, going to the library and opening books, and now it doesn't. (laughs) Google. Hey, Siri. And, um, and so... What we do, though, is, is we get loaded down with good options. There's nothing wrong with good options. In fact, they're good. Good options. I didn't say bad options. Some of you are loaded down with bad options, too, but loaded down with good options. Now, there's nothing wrong with good options, but are good things the same as God things? Are good? You've been trying good things, but it's not working. Good options. Now, the difference between wisdom, then, uh, the wisdom of God, than human compilation of knowledge is, is this. Human compilation of knowledge, you can read books about parenting, but the trouble is, they're not parenting your kid. They're not working for your boss. So, it's not like you don't get good information, but the trouble is, and I think the younger that you are, the harder time you have of this because I think the older generation was actually maybe wiser, if I could shout out to the older generation, wiser in being able to, to filter the good things from the great things. But now the trouble is there's a thousand things to pick on the shelf. There's a thousand options. There's a thousand. My next series is going to be about love, called Love Potion, which is what you're looking for. Just God, give, give us a song. And if we have a song we'll be happily married forever. <laughs> <laughs> all I got this beastie boy sabotage in my head right there. <laughs> Listen to all of y'all, it's a sabotage. Listen to all of y'all, it's a sabotage. <laughs> you can't get distract me. So, good options, but the trouble is what you really need is wisdom, and wisdom is the application of not all of these things, but the application of one of these things. And so we go from this idea that all of these things are good, and then we come at it from a democratic point of view rather than a kingdom point of view where the king knows best for you and will tell you how to live your life best so it will work out better for you. Healthy people are happy people. He's just trying to get you healthy, right? And so, but what we do is we come over with this democratic mindset where every option has equal play time. Every voice It's equal playtime because we're all equal. Equal. Equal in value as a human generically or equal in what you do at work. So we come into a a job and within a month we're telling the boss how to run his company that we're a month into because our voice has equal playtime as his voice or her voice. And then in two months, you're looking for another job like you did two months before because you think your voice gets equal playtime. But then what happens is that the devil doesn't mind you having a lot of good options as long as everything gets equal playtime. Let me explain it to you like this. So this book and this resource and that YouTube and this friend and that friend and this friend and, and the Holy Spirit and another and um, another and just give everybody equal playtime. Share in the sandbox, everybody. But what we forget is that the sandbox of wisdom belongs to God. So if you start in this place where there's all these other options of religions and all these other, and yet God says in the scripture, a fool says in his heart there is no God, so let's start there. Ooh, that's different though, isn't it? It's the proper application of wisdom that gets you the result that you want. Not options and equal, equal playtime. And so... What you and I have to do is to be able to create a funnel. Let's talk about how we do that. Create a funnel of good options where you actually do your part and do your research and do all and you actually get other people to speak into your life. If you're making independent decisions, they'll be very bad ones for I always ask somebody who's going to disagree with me before I do something. Cuz I just need to hear what they disagree with me. Like at least if I'm going to make the decision, I want to know the other side of the story. I always ask, did I say I always do? I wish that I always did. <laughs> I should. I'm working on it. I'm work in progress. We create a funnel. Now how, okay, pastor, how do we create a funnel that funnels things from good things down to that thing? From knowledge down to God's wisdom. How do we create that funnel? Well, this is how you create it. You see, double-mindedness is the inability to say No to good things. Not bad things. You should always be saying no to bad things. Teenagers. It's a bad idea. Don't go over to that person's house. It's always a bad idea. (laughs) Saying no to good things. If you can't say no to good things to get to the God thing, you are a double-minded person, unstable in everything that you do, and your kids can feel it, and your friends can feel it, and you want everybody to trust in you because you trust in you so much. Because if you give every voice equal playtime, you give your voice a lot more. Uh, But then what you do is every voice has equal playtime, and so you research and you research and you research, and you spend all of your time doubting your decisions. And then what happens is when you make a decision, and and I I know somebody who purchased a mattress and then purchased two more mattresses because this mattress promised the best night's sleep of your life. And was it really the best night's sleep the next morning? (laughs) I feel like it was a good night's sleep, but was it the best ever? How would you know you were asleep? (laughs) When you wake up in the morning, were birds chirping in your ear? Was it beautiful? Did your wife say, you have a beautiful face? I love your face. Maybe it was the best night's sleep. Keep the mattress. But what happens is, they didn't like the mattress because they're not sure that it was the best thing ever, so they got another one and got this one. Have you ever pulled a mattress out of a house that's been slept in for one night? Not my job. I would hate that job. I'll just leave it there and put the other mattress on top of it. <laughs> Regret that decision. It was the best night's sleep of your life. And they got And then another mattress because they're not sure and you spend your whole life doubting yourself and doubting your decisions and then living in a pile of regrets for the rest of your life because you're double-minded. You're constantly questioning because every voice gets equal playtime and you're not sure what to listen to. And what you don't do is when you find the one thing you don't... Just give me a sec. And... and What you and I have to do is we have to sweat the one thing. Do your homework, but then lay them out before God and before a process of how you make decisions, before a code of how you live. And what we need to do is find the one thing at the bottom of that all that God actually intended you to do. If you're a person who does 50 things in a day, you don't do any of them well. You need to find the one thing that God wanted you to do and do it well. You don't get credit for half doing 50 things. No, it's called failing 50 things. <laughs> find the one thing that God wanted you to do and actually do the thing. And so, and so what we do is we create all of this funnel of, of by saying, no, that's a, you know what? That's a good thing for my child to be involved in, but it's not the thing. No? No? How do I decide what school to put my kids in? Okay, there's all sorts of good schools in Airdrie. How do I decide? You need to find the God thing. How do I discipline children at all? Well, there's all sorts of information written about it, but what you need is God's wisdom in how you discipline your child. Because how I discipline each of my children is drastically different. One thing that works for one child would break the other child, which is not what you want to do. Nobody else has kids here that are different? And so you have to sweat the one thing. This is what happened in my week uh, this week is... is um, Tuesday is my sermon day. And the funny thing is, like three weeks ago, I had this sermon all ready to go. And then Tuesday at noon, Aaron's like, How's your sermon coming? And I said, Not good at all. I have three sermons. You might be thinking, Well, that's good. Three sermons is better than one sermon. No, three sermons is much worse than one sermon. If I give you, by five o'clock, it was eight sermons, all good sermons. And I was starting to sweat because I knew that if I gave you eight sermons all in one sermon, you wouldn't do any of them. It's not that you're not that smart. You're just easily distracted. And if I fill up your head with knowledge and you don't apply anything, it actually works against you. Because knowledge puffs up. But wisdom will make you apply the knowledge in the way that God wants you to apply it, the one thing. And it will create love and love edifies. Knowledge puffs up and makes you think that you did something, but you didn't. If you didn't do anything today, why would you be proud about knowing more? You don't actually know it because knowing it is also doing it. Oh, that's a good priest and pastor. Oh, yeah. Don't shout me down. So what you and I have to do is we have to live by common sense and create a funnel that starts pulling good options together And getting it down to a place where we lay it out before the Lord, and then we seek God's face about it. And we seek his face not by yourself about it, but with your community and your small group about it. I hope that you're in a small group. And in your community, and in your church family, and in your neighborhood, and and you you put these things out, and you lay them out before God, and then God speaks. You got to get quiet enough for God to speak, because your voice is constantly chattering away in your ear, that's a danger to you because you'll get distracted with all of the good options. But then when God speaks, what you do with your good options is you pack all of the rest of them up, put them in a box, and put them out at the curb for the garbage man. Then you spend the rest of your day executing what God said. Not regretting, not wishing, not thinking anymore because this is what happens. When we're gathering good options, Everybody? We gather good options. We are deciding. We are in an evaluating part of our mind. Am I right? That's good. You should be evaluating things. You should be thinking for yourself and living by common sense. You evaluate all of these things. You're in evaluation mode. But then I take evaluation mode and set it before the boss and say, here are your options. What would you like to do? And then she says, do this thing. And then I take all the other things, just put them in a box, leave them by the curb and execute the one thing. And then you execute just the one thing. And you take all of your energy and execute the one thing. Just one thing at a time. You read your Bible in the morning, execute the one thing. Don't read 57 things. You can read them, but execute, find something in there and be like, what's the one thing? I need the one thing. I need the one thing. See, good options can make a straight road really crooked. I love you, you young folks, you need to get together with my dad because my dad can straighten out your path. You'd be like, but, but Pastor Richie, you don't understand all the options I have now. He'd be like, who cares when you should do the one thing? I can show you how to do the one thing. I'm not super complicated. Well, we can do one thing well. We can get, one, we can, we can get a result from heaven. Um, our text today is about Jericho, And once Jericho goes down, the rest of the promised land can follow. But if Jericho doesn't go down, the promised land is not coming. And here's the one thing for you today that I I had to sweat and get down to the one thing. Like, I love doing sermons, but I also get to do sermons. (laughs) Like, they're the best part and the worst part of my week. And it's hard to talk to people and to come up with something new every week. And not even that, but sometimes the Holy Spirit preaches it in my ear, and I'm not competing with another preacher. I'm competing with that. And sometimes I go back, and I'm like, I don't know if I delivered what you delivered to me in the way that it was so simple and yet so profound. And I don't know if I did. I sweat the one thing. And God wants you to sweat the one thing. Now, here's the one thing here's your Jericho this week. If you could, Jericho's name in your life is double-mindedness. If it goes and gets a name change to single-mindedness, the rest of the promised land will come. It has to. But see, Jericho is double-mindedness. It is the first of the cities that you need to conquer that if you get single-minded, you will have a template for how God will get you into the rest of the promised land. But you've got to rid yourself of doubt, instability, being tossed about by circumstance. You can't have a bad circumstance happen in the morning and wreck the rest of your week anymore. You are double-minded. You are doubting. You are constantly double- you just don't know what to think and you don't know if you did the right thing and if you single-minded pursuit of the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be added. It's a byproduct. You're spending all of your time talking and gathering options. <laughs> God's like, I can give you all of this. I can give you wisdom. You ask for it. I've got it. I'll give it to you, but not to double-mindedness. I can't do that because then you'll just take it and you'll think that it's you. Yeah. And your kids don't belong to you. God would say his, they belong to me. And The spouse you want so badly? Well, the trouble is they would belong to you if you got them right now but you need to get single-minded about it so that you understand that they're not yours, they're mine. And when you're talking to your spouse you're not talking to your spouse you're talking to a son or a daughter of God, so be careful. When you're parenting your children, they don't belong to you. They're sons and daughters of the living God. Be careful how you treat them and be careful that you discipline them and be careful that you discipline them the way God wants you to because he wants everything for them. Don't you let them live their own life? Help them. That's good parenting creation. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. The devil is more afraid of you than you are of the devil, so relax. It's not a power struggle if you're single-minded. It was never a power struggle. No one was allowed to go in or out. I feel this about that scripture. No one is allowed to go in or out if you've been so double-minded that you've had to lock the doors of your house and the doors of your heart and the doors of your mind and you're so busy trying to carefully control everything and live a safe life and get your kids to live a safe life you're the one who's under siege not the devil you're supposed to run you're supposed to you're supposed to be out there conquering land you're supposed to be you're not supposed to be afraid you're not supposed to be doubting and be careful if you just shut all the doors and just try to keep it the same as it was yesterday, if nothing bad happened yesterday. That's not the life God wanted for you. You should be out getting challenged. It says, but the Lord said to Joshua. Interesting how he gives this to Joshua. He doesn't tell everybody else. Well, because they moved from a have-to mindset to a get-to mindset, from a slavery mentality to a soldiering mentality, God can speak to one person, and the one person speaks to everybody. Because it's just the way that God wants it. So, he says, I've given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. God has already spoken promises to you, you just haven't walked into it yet. It's a done deal in heaven, so once you sort the single-mindedness out, you'll get Jericho. It's not a power struggle, it's waiting. It's a bank account, it's already been deposited, you just haven't received it. So, let's receive it. Then he gives him a game plan that's amazing. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. You're like, but God, that's not how you parent kids. I read all of these books. <laughs> Joshua's like, but God, I'm a warrior, and I've trained a nation of warriors, and there's a hundred ways to get at Jericho, but that's not one of them. <laughs> so just like walk? Like just walk around it? And he says, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark. Priests? <laughs> like pastors? But they're not strong. <laughs> Each carrying a ram's horn. Oh, Anybody remember church culture about 20 years ago? If you had the pleasure of growing up in the ram's horn days, did anybody blow the shofar in your church service? Hallelujah. We used to sing like 21 Israeli songs, all back to back to back to back to back. And then somebody would trot out that ram's horn and, woo, let's take Jericho down. It was a church culture thing. I saw in a church uh, lobby one time, like not that many years ago, maybe five years ago, past the ram's horn days, far past, far beyond, and it was like, how to take care of ram's horns properly, <laughs> and I took a picture, I know it was sacrilegious a little bit, I took a picture and sent it to my wife, I'm like, because <laughs> if I'm your neighbor, I'm not going to that church, I don't know, <laughs> like maybe 20 years ago, but I don't know, it just seems a little weird to me now, sorry, if you come from a church that they're blowing ram's horns, great, sorry. <laughs> we have electric guitars and stuff. Maybe electric guitars in 20 years will be like Ram's horns. I don't know. (laughs) Then you can sell that piece of garbage you got, Edwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bugging him about his guitar because it might be a little bit better than my guitar, and my guitar is pretty nice. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the Ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls will, listen, collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What? Wait, wait, if I just push the wall over in my marriage, I'm still going to have to climb a mountain to get over it, right? Because it's just, it's a mountain of rubble, and that doesn't sound straight, but it says the walls will collapse, and you will go straight. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, no, but that's not how the world works, and God's like, I decide how the world works. He can knock down a wall flat and you walk right in. Yeah. All of it, like all the wall, everybody. That's not how you would do it. I mean, it says, so Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Like, we can't hit anybody with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've trained in the art of ram's horn." Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. And then it says, do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. Listen, there's this place where once God speaks, you need to stop. There's this place where once God speaks, you need to stop speaking. You need to turn off the other voices. Thanks, Mom, I got it, but God has spoken. Thanks, no, I got it, but God has spoken. And he's confirmed it with his witnesses that he, would, he gives me, my small group leaders, my, the sermon, the word of God that I read, the worship experience. He has confirmed it. So let's just turn off the other voices. I love you, but you're not God, but you're not God, but you're not God. And I'm not God either, so let's turn that voice off. Because you'll talk your way out of it. Your fear and your doubt will talk your way right out of it. You need to be disciplined. This is where Israel decided not to live like their parents lived because they died in the wilderness far from the promised land. I mean, far in their hearts, but they weren't that far geographically. And they, your parents maybe in your parents' generation could have done more, but you're going to have to go out and do more, but you're going to have to do it differently than they, d- they did. And I think some of them talked too much. If you can discipline yourself and be an army in your mind, You can get the promised land. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. Then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. The second day they marched around the town. Once and returned to the camp, they followed this pattern for six days. You know how many uh, doubts I'd be going through in my head because I'm a person of options in my brain. And I can feel it when I have too many options in the flesh and my brain just starts going and going and anybody else? Just going and going and going and tearing us, you know, just like tearing itself to pieces. But what you have to do in that marching around the city sometimes when God is like, I'm going to save your marriage, but just be quiet. But I'm trying to fix it. Just be quiet. He said, I'll save your marriage. He didn't say, you'll save your marriage. I'll save your marriage. I'll do it. I'll figure it out. I got it. I got it. The seventh time around, verse 16, the priests sounded the long blast on their horns. Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Then he says this, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. He says in another place, Jericho is mine. This double-mindedness, the whole point of single-mindedness and double-mindedness is you have to get, eradicate every bit of it out of your life. Every, you can't leave a little bit in there. A man named Achan takes of the things that were supposed to come into the house of God and the things that were supposed to be destroyed, and he puts some of them in his tent for safekeeping, for options. Israel lost its next fight until they eradicated it from the tent. You have to eradicate every bit of double-mindedness out of your tent. It does not belong to you. Jericho belongs to the Lord. Destroy all the other options. Put them in a box and let the Lord deal with them the people heard the sound of the ram's horns. They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed. The Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Here's what I was sweating for for you. I think like the Holy Spirit wants you to it's Jericho, right? If you get Jericho, you get the rest. You and I this month to get single-minded in an area of your life that you're double-minded in right now. But don't just pick a sacrifice. Get the one sacrifice. Don't make a parallel sacrifice that takes a lot of work because that's what you and I do because we have options. We get a parallel sacrifice and because it requires sacrifice, we feel like we did something but we didn't do the one thing. And God only requires you to obey when he speaks, not when you speak and not when you have other options. You need to find that area in your life that you are in doubt about. That area in your life, for some of you, it's hidden sin. Pastor Nate preached about that. It's time. Look, you have a window of opportunity to deal with hidden sin. If you deal with it here, it's, you can be forgiven and restored to your people. If you wait until you are exposed and the rock falls on you, it will grind you to power. It, it will things separate things don't come back anymore you have a window of opportunity you have an open window right now to deal with hidden sin in your life and god would be like sacrifice that thing get single-minded in that thing every prayer time this month pray about that thing every scripture that you read every time you read scripture in the morning find something that has to do with that thing and get it right if if it's financial, you're greedy in your finances and you have no trouble being generous with you but you are not generous with people or you are not generous with God, you need to get single-minded. You need to go after this thing until this thing goes down and becomes not an idol in your life but a sacrifice to the Lord your God. And all of your opinions and all the stories that you tell yourself that allow it to go on and on, put them in a box, put it by the curb and let the Holy Spirit take them away for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here today. For some, some of us, we're just isolated. And that's our one thing. We're isolated and we're proud. The Bible says that he who isolates himself or herself, we seek our own desires. Ouch. You don't want us to seek our desires. You want us to seek the good of God and the good of people. For some of us, we're addicted to things and we're looking at things online and we say that it's not an addiction, but it is. And it wouldn't matter anyways because it's still sin. And we've made a deal with unholy spirit and we need to confess our sins to god and to somebody today and father i pray for the courage to do it imperfectly because even the one thing should be sacrificed and the thing about the sacrifice heavenly father that you ask me to give this week and the sacrifice you ask every person here to give this week is that it goes alive on the altar meaning it's still kicking and squirming a bit and it makes us squirm and that's how we know that we got the right one We don't offer something that's already dead to us. We don't offer something that we can give in our flesh. We give something that hurts us. And Father, I pray for the courage for every person today to understand that the grace of God will be released, the promised land that we've been waiting for, all the things we've spent, all of our energy and all of our lives can be redeemed to us, Father. Not in the way that we want, but in the way that you want. If we would sacrifice the one thing and get single-minded about it, I pray that we would give up our double-mindedness about that one thing this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.